0: I'm really excited, as as Bobby was mentioning, I just returned back about 72 hours ago from the most intense war zone on the planet in northern Iraq, and uh, a big part of what we do around the world, I lead a movement called uh, Burn 24-7 that carries the DNA of worship, prayer, and missions. And we're, we're kind of living in this confluence. And we have about 150 cities all over the world that have an expression of the burn movement. And uh, a big part of our heart is is uh, going into war zones and red light districts and kind of the darkest, hopeless, forgotten places in the world. And if you, if you all know a little bit about my dad and my, and my uh, legacy, that's just, that's who we are. So... Uh, and that was, you know, it's just, it's cool, kind of full circle moment, you know, because the whole reason my family actually ended up here, we grew up in Montana, uh, the whole reason we ended up here and stayed here was because of Pastor Bobby, so it's cool to be here and, and, and uh, you know, I, I am who I am today, and my family is who we are because of him and, and his investment, and so it's, it's just a, a privilege to sow back into what's being birthed here, but I want to give a little context this morning, because I have a few things I want to share, and I'm not going to take too long, but I feel um, just stirred in my heart, I can't come back from an experience like I just had, and not absolutely give a report that will obliterate fear, intimidation, and discouragement. And what I'm going to share is probably a little bit different than what you see on CNN when you scroll through your Twitter feed or, you know, the videos of the beheadings or the different things that have literally in invaded. I mean, I don't know if you guys understand, but, you know, sometimes it's important for us to realize that we are under a haze of intimidation and fear. We get pounded by the media. Non-stop. And a lot of us, you know, it's like Jesus said, it's, it's, it's interesting. We, we have, we have more resources and more ability to access information than any, any group of people in human history. And, you know, with one, you know, button on our phone, we can access unlimited amounts of data, you know. But yet, like Jesus said, you can interpret the skies, the signs in the sky, but you don't recognize the day of the kingdom. And so I feel like what the Lord even would have me just share with you today is that this is a day that the kingdom is advancing. And no force on earth, no Islamic jihadist regime can stop the spread of the gospel on the earth. You know, if you know a little bit about the conflict there, the Kurds are all Muslim. And then you have the Yazidi peoples, which are kind of a spin-off of Islam and a couple other things. And And uh, they're kind of a cultish group. And those are the two main groups that have have really experienced the brunt of ISIS's uh, death, raping, pillaging, murdering. And I mean, it's on a scale that's about a thousand times what you see. I mean, I've been to war zones. I was in Afghanistan right after 9-11. I've been in North Korea. I've been a lot of places I've never seen or heard the stories of what we're experiencing. It is a heinous evil that that is unfathomable. But yet in the midst of this, what I think is outrageous, right, is that the Lord is taking this opportunity, what the enemy meant for evil, God's meaning for good, And right now in this season, these people groups that used to be spread in the mountain regions that were very hard to reach with the gospel, that were very far away, and and we've been trying to reach them, the Kurds and the Yazidis, some of the most unreached people, this is a season where now they're all grouped together in refugee camps of 80,000, 90,000. They've lost everything, their homes, some of their children have been abducted, their villages have been erased, and they're gathered together in refugee camps looking for hope. They're never more open in the entire history of their people than they are right now. And the gospel of Jesus Christ shines always its brightest in the darkest days. And so this is a season and, and what I think is, is crazy is, you know, a lot of times in the West and, and especially even this morning, you know, we're, we're entering into worship and we have this amazing opportunity and it's a real privilege. And it's so, so I think easy for us to kind of have this nonchalant, oh, we will show up five minutes late and let's do a warm up song. And I don't know if I know the words. And, you know, it takes us a while to adjust and, and we, we, we're entering into the presence of God, which is a place of unlimited potential which is a place of unlimited possibilities where anything could happen, right? And here we have Kurdish Muslims that don't even know Jesus, generals that are fighting the fiercest evil that we've seen for generations. And their number one request right now, as Kurdish Muslims, is send us Christian worshipers. Literally, that is their number one request. And I sat with this general, you know, and, and I, I'm just overcome because I have like this huge justice trigger. And man, this ISIS thing has just, I mean, it's like been hard for me to sleep at night. I'm just filled with like righteous indignation. And I just want to see justice and righteousness prevail. I don't know if any of y'all are like that. It's just hard for me to kind of breeze past it to my bowl of Wheaties in the morning. You know, I just kind of, I'm like, Jesus, you know, and, and uh, I was sitting with this Kurdish general and you know, he, was, he, we, he moved us finally to the front lines. We got the binoculars and we're looking up and I, I just, I see the flag, you know. And this, this overwhelming, righteous, like, thing rises up in me and I'm just stuck there, you know, and the general turns over to me and he goes, sing, 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 sing play your guitar. Sing your song. Because every time that you sing your song, we win the battle. Every time you sing, good stuff happens. And what I'm realizing, guys, is around the world, and and this morning, part of what I want to do, even with this flow, is I want to awaken your awareness to what the Lord is doing through worship around the world, so that as you gather together, and as you build this foundation of your church DNA, that you're laying a solid groundwork of expectation for every time you gather, anything can happen. Anything's possible, you know, and and here here we have Kurdish Muslim generals that sometimes have a greater respect and a greater awareness of worship than we do as church people in Virginia. And I feel like this morning there's a couple things, I just want to read a few verses for y'all, um, for y'all, um. And I want you to turn, uh, if you can, in your Bible to Psalm 84. I want to mention th- kind of three three quick points, and then, uh, and then I'm just going to pray for you, and then uh, Pastor Bobby's going to come bring the real message and correct any false doctrine. Because <sighs> I've been known. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really have false doctrine. Don't worry. Uh, but I do want to mention, too, we have these amazing... Uh, I just released a brand-new album about a month ago at really, which is my home away from home, Bethel Church in Redding, California. I had the privilege to release this kind of, this, you know, live just sound of, of, of just explosive worship with a lot of my friends from Bethel Music and Jesus Culture, and the Lord has really launched this project farther than I can ever imagine, and the it, it, title is Victorious One. It's just songs of victory. And I think sometimes as worshipers, we forget that we know the end of the story, <laughs> Like we we get so frazzled, you know. Like like we're insecure, even in our worship and our prayer expression, sometimes they don't come from faith, they come from fear. Oh, ISIS is coming to the US, let's get a prayer meeting, you know, and uh, you know, and we're 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 pulverized by fear. And I feel like sometimes God says, Hey, 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 one minute. You got one really amazing thing going for you, you read the end of the book. He's not pulling any punches. We know that what happens at the end of the story, you know, I love reading the Bible stories to my kids. You know, I have three kids, four, two, and nine months. Praise God for grace upon grace. But I love reading these Bible stories to my kids, and I get so rocked with Revelation because we make things so complicated and complex and religious We just, we have all these complex things, you know, read the kid's book, and it takes about 20 chapters, and it brings them down to two pages, you know. I was reading the end of the Bible the other day to them, and we're sitting there, and at the end of the last day, the bad guy gets thrown into the lake of fire, and the good guys go to heaven with Jesus forever. I was reading this to my kids, and I'm like, this is so powerful, you know, it's like we sometimes we forget, and I feel like, you know, the, the uh the opportunity and the the engagement of worship is our moment to remove ourselves from the temporal things that come against us in the media and the pounding of all the noise of our world, and we lift our hands and we lift our heads, we remember, oh yeah, we are victorious. Oh yeah, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Well, maybe they might overcome it if they, no, no, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Boom, you are an overcomer the moment you receive Him into your life. And when we live from the posture of victory, life is a lot more fun. We don't get bogged down by petty things. Just think how much of our days do we spend anxious? How much of our life, you know, do we hand over to worry? And torment. What if we just live knowing the end of the story? What if we, you know, the Lord challenged me with this thought. I had a privilege to go to the World Cup last year, and we did this big worship thing in Brazil during the World Cup. And it's funny watching these teams come out to play soccer. The teams that didn't know if they were going to win looked scared. The teams that knew they were going to dominate, like Germany, Deutschland, you know? They came out with a confidence and a boldness, and when they played soccer, they had a lot of fun. They were laughing, high-fiving. What would it look like if we played the game like we knew we were gonna win? How would we do church? How would we do church differently if we knew we were gonna win the game? How would we worship? How would we pray? So that the th- things I got for you guys, I'm going to read that verse. One, uh, the greater the revelation, the greater the expression. That's kind of the, just the, a couple prophetic things as I was praying over this amazing new church plant. One, the greater the revelation, the greater the expression. So everybody's expression of worship is tied to their revelation of who Jesus is. Okay, this is just Good Theology 101, okay? so you worship according to your revelation so great is the lord greatly to be praised so how great is the lord well he's great praise the god praise god sunday morning how great is the lord well your expression of how you worship reveals how convinced you are of his greatness and the, the, the you know the the more that you see the more that you worship and I believe that even as God is, is, is launching this, this new church, I believe God just wants to give you all an upgrade of revelation. You know, and, and a lot of times I spent a lot of years as, as, as a worship leader, you know, come on, guys, lift your hands, come on, ah, 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 you know, and I would just be like, come on, ah, I'm about to throw down my guitar if you don't sing, you know, and just like the frustrated worship leader, you know, it's just not a good place to be in, the frustrated worship leader. But lately, what I've been asking the Lord is, God, just give us a revelation. Because if if you really knew how big he was, it wouldn't be a big deal to lift your hands and to go crazy. I mean, everybody in the Bible that had a, a, a wild worship expression, it's not just emotionalism and hype, it's a response to their perspective of who he is. The more you see, the more you worship. And I feel like the Lord wants to grace this house with an increase. And even as I'm saying this, like, there's so many familiar faces in here. I mean, what a legendary crew to pioneer a church with. So much history and so much uh, uh, wisdom. And and I believe even so, even as we progress in the years with the Lord, like, guys, there's an ability to tap into new realms. Like, we have not reached the end of God. You may have sung a lot of songs and heard a lot of sermons and been to a lot of different churches and blah, 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 but guess what? You have not arrived. I mean, you have seen a small, dinky, little, tiny, puny amount, and there's a lot more that he wants to show you, and he's willing to come and visit those that want more, and that's how the principles of the kingdom work, and I just believe God's stirring a hunger. Greater the revelation, greater the expression. Number two... I, I'm, I was getting this uh, word about the posture of lifting up your heads. And I feel like... Um uh, I, I saw even in the spirit this morning as we were worshiping, I saw, and I've just been seeing this lately, like I saw these kind of iron rods, like being extended down s- some of your heads, like down through your back. And I think it's, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I believe the, I believe even uh, in physical, I believe God's healing and restoring backs even this morning. I just get that. But, but I feel like even spiritually, the Lord is, is, is putting the rod of faith and perspective in through our bodies so that when we worship and when we live and when we go about our daily life, we don't walk around like the rest of the world. We don't walk around bummed out. We don't walk around grumpy. You know, I'm coming against grumpy Christianity. Like you just, you cannot be a grumpy Christian. I'm sorry. You cannot be pessimistic. Well, that's just kind of how I view life. No, you don't. The moment you receive Jesus, you lost your right to be a pessimist. Bye-bye. You have to look at every glass half that's half-filled as if it's half-full because you know the one that can do exceedingly abundantly. And so the posture of expectation and the posture of beholding is one like this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. We sing that like we're singing it to the lost, but really, y'all, that's a song for the church. Lift up your heads, church, O oh you gates. Swing wide, you ancient doors, church, that the king of glory may come in. And there's a verse, I don't have time to read it, Luke 21. You know, it talks about in the last days, there will be famines and earthquakes and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, all these, all these like... Um, you know, this is like the season, it seems like, where all these crazy prophet, like, gloom and doom guys are coming out of the woodwork. Ah, they're going to, America's going to be taken over. Ah, you know, and, and it's like, uh, I don't really get the point of their whole deal. I, I think, um, I, I don't know if they've read the end of the story, but um, but we're, we're kind of, you know, we have a lot of people where it's easy to gravitate towards, towards this mindset. Uh, but in Luke 21, it says, hey, the world's going to get super crazy. Be ready for it, and it says, when that happens, it says, lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. And there's a posture, listen, it's not even just physical, there's something spiritual about when we lift up our heads and lift up our hands, we're waiting in expectation for the promises of God, because we know that he's good, and he's going to fulfill his word. And I believe that even, even, I, my prayer is that people come in here, like, you're going to get a lot of people that, that are going to come in, you know, beat down by the world daily, beat down with their circumstances, and they're going to come in like this, but when they get with a bunch of people that know who they are in God, they have to straighten up like this, and there's a straightening of their spirit, so I got this rod of faith, uh, this confidence in the end of the story, the third thing that I got, and I want to read out of Psalm 84, and this has actually been a, a huge kind of life verse for me and my wife and, and, uh, and our family as we've walked through uh, a lot of stuff in our last few years. But this is kind of a verse that we keep coming back to. And, and I want to just uh, camp out here and then pray this over you. Um, and, you know, the, the Bible is full of amazing, amazing stories. I think sometimes we forget, you know, Jehoshaphat, was surrounded by the Midianite army, Second Chronicles 20. He invited the worshipers to come, not with guns and AK-47s, but with guitars and their voices. And as they worship, they won the victory. We see Paul and Silas in Acts, 15, or Acts 16. They're in prison. They're about to die. They've been beaten. And they just decide, well, we're just going to worship because that's what we do you know if there's ever time not to want to worship it's probably when you're strung up in a dingy dark prison beaten to a pulp bleeding down your back probably realizing you're going to die that would be a good time for a little self pity you know a little bit of a maybe a hey, god where are you kind of deal but no Paul and Silas were they knew who they were and they just decided to sing and of course heaven responded to the song of their heart which by the way doesn't even say they're worship leaders you're like, well, you're just a, a long haired hippie worship leader. You're just talking to worship leaders right now. Talking to all you guys. Everyone has a song and a sound and a voice. And it says that Paul and Silas, you know, as they began to sing, heaven responded, the prison doors shook. And the coolest part about the story is, is that everybody got set free. It doesn't say everybody was singing, it said two guys were singing. See, the cool thing is about our expression of worship is we have the opportunity to literally, even on Sunday morning or even on our our morning commute to work or wherever, the song that we stir up, it's not even always necessarily for our breakthrough, but God can use it for the breakthrough of others. Well, you don't know my boss. He's just a jerk and he's grumpy. well, Well, we sing. See what happens. See how the atmosphere changes. You know, you guys are atmosphere changers. And I feel like the Lord is breaking the church out of a victim mentality. We're not the victims. We're the victors. We're not the ones that succumb to the environment. We create the environment. Psalm 84 gives good, gives good um, articulation for that. So it says in verse three, blessed... Are those who dwell in your house, Psalm 84 3, they are ever praising you. So if you're dwelling in the house of the Lord, guess what you're doing? You're always singing. Amen. Amen. Then it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their heart on pilgrimage. Such a powerful statement, who've set their heart on pilgrimage on pilgrimage, who have put their hand to the plow and they're not looking back. I think of this in a church sense, you know, like we have so many options, it seems like, in America that we perpetuate a culture of church hopping and we change, we like this for a season, we don't like this, we we switch all around. And What if a group of people just said, you know what, we're going to stick this out. We're on a pilgrimage together. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere. Anybody want to go somewhere? Turn to someone and say, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. And then it says, as they pass through the valley of Bacah, which means weeping, despair, torment. Anybody been there? Really, four people have been there in this whole room? You bunch of liars. (laughs) if you've lived life on earth, you've been there. And if you haven't been there, you're gonna go there. That's not a prophetic word. That's just reality. As you pass through, because everyone passes through, right, when you become saved, oh, we're just immune to everything. No, you're not. You get sick. You have issues. You have financial crisis. You go through relational conflict. You lose your job. I mean, this is... This is why I love worship, right? Because this is our life like this, right? Anybody's life like this? couple of you? Yeah? That's normal. Look at David's life. Look at Paul's life. In prison, leading the apostolic church. Here's David being you know, arrested and being sought after to kill by Saul, leading the kingdom, Absalom takes it over. You know, it's like this is our life, but our worship expression doesn't follow our life circumstances. People scare me when their worship expression is like this because I'm like, your life's already like that. But our worship expression and our confidence can actually go like this. It doesn't have to move. And so it says, as they pass through the Valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. That means no matter the darkest night they walk through, they're not thermometers that take the temperature. They're thermostats. They create the temperature. So we show up on the front lines, death, destruction, fear, torment, evil. Couple strums of the guitar, God shows up, guess what? It just got a little bit better. You show up on Sunday morning, you start singing, guess what? Heaven just entered the room. Unlimited possibilities. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's life. In his presence, there's hope. There's peace. Everything you could ever Need as you sit at his table. He never runs out of food, you guys. Keeps the sweet tea coming. <laughs> they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God and Zion. They go from increase to increase, from glory to glory. So on this journey, and I just want to end by praying this, it's just going to get better. Now, there's two ways you can view the world. One, great and terrible day of the Lord. Two, glory's getting brighter. I tend to camp my life around number two. (laughs) Darkness covers the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And I just feel like God is giving us this Faith, confidence, worship, grit. I was hanging out with these Arab Christians on Pentecost. Man, what a privilege. My life is so weird. I was, you know, recording the Bethel, uh, my album at Bethel last Pentecost, which is like the most outrageous place to lead worship. You sing kumbaya and people just freak out, you know. You don't even have to try, you know. You sneeze and people are like, whoa, glory, you know. And then a year later, I'm hanging out with 50 Arab believers. Three of their church members have been killed in the last year by Islamic extremists. Their church has been bombed twice. And when they sing, they're like really happy. Like there's a, a literal sacrifice of praise, you know. And they know and they, 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 they hold to the promise of God. They're on a journey. Things are getting better. The sun is getting brighter. Our salvation is nearing. You know, and they just believe. And I feel like this morning, you know, God is inviting us into this place. He's inviting Riverbend Church into this amazing establishment of a foundation of worshipers that know who they are. And I just sense, guys, that you guys are going to begin to have worship services where people just begin to get healed during the worship. You know that's in the Bible too? Right? You're going to begin to worship and people are just going to get delivered of heaviness. People are going to come in addicted to prescription drugs and get freed as you sing. Wouldn't that be awesome? People are going to get saved and y'all don't even have to do an altar call. Bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to give you three minutes. Here we go. No, what if just the goodness of God was so powerful? People are just like, yeah, I want this. So let me just pray over you. Jesus, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for, Lord, just these families that are just rocks of wisdom and strength, God. and The beautiful heritage that you're starting in this, in this community. And I just thank you, Lord, that for what you're doing all over the world. I thank you, God, today for anchoring our perspective in the place of hope. Lord, and we shrug off hopelessness and despair and discouragement, Lord, and we make the choice to press into the fullness of your promise. Lord, in your presence, anything is possible. And I just pray, Lord, that as you send people here, God, that there would be an attraction of a group of people, God, that are lifting up their heads that are lifting up their hands, that are, that are every single Sunday, God, they're pushing off the lulling, sleeping spirit in America and they're pressing into more of you and they're hungry and they're desperate for you to show up, God. Visit this place, God, in this season in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Sean. Awesome. Did y'all enjoyed that? Wasn't that awesome? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just give you like a seven minute talk. Just springboard right off what Sean said. I'm going to ask the band maybe to come and just lead a final song. Uh, What was on my heart today was uh, right really in keeping with with Sean's theme, and and it was found in Acts chapter 12. Can I just remind you of a story? I'll just kind of talk it out, and rather than going and reading the entire story, but in Acts chapter 12, we find a story where. Uh, King Herod has gotten really stirred up and killed, just get this in mind, killed James, brother of Jesus. Okay, I mean, this is ruthless stuff. And um, so the Jews got so excited when he killed one of the leaders of the young church. He said, man, I, I got such good political... You know, uh, surveys and polls after that, I think I'm just going to go for the top. They arrested Peter. What do you think Herod's intention was with Peter? Come on, I mean, obviously, he arrested him. And they didn't just arrest him, they put him in prison and put him in the deepest, darkest place of, they, they could find in the prison. And they didn't trust him. Remember, they already had to deal with Jesus being raised from the dead. All right, So they didn't trust him, and so they shackled him and put guards, just encircled him with guards so that nothing would happen to him. And the plan was, as soon as they were waiting for a feast time to come, the right feast, so that there were so many Jews in town, so whenever they killed him, cut his head off, everybody would notice it. The politicians, never mind, I won't uh, So, he's in the middle of the prison, okay? And we're not told a whole lot about what Peter's doing. It's interesting how the camera, the Holy Spirit's camera shifts, and it's like sometimes we get a camera like Sean was talking about from Acts 16, where Paul and Silas were in the prison, and the camera's on Paul and Silas. In this particular story in Acts 12, the camera's not on Peter. Although we know where he is, he's stuck in prison. He's not in a good place. Likely they persecuted him, beat him up before they put him in there. The camera shifts. And you know where the camera is? On the church. It's kind of like, meanwhile. And the scripture simply says this. Peter's in the middle of the prison. It says, but. So you know how beautiful the word B-U-T is in the Bible? But. But. The church earnestly prayed for him. Peter's in the midst of a dark, desperate, it didn't look good. Peter knew, Peter knew what the intent was. He knew if God didn't do something, his time was hours left to live. And by the way, it says that, God waited to do anything till the very last moment. Have you ever noticed that God sometimes does that? He can be an 1159 God. Don't ask me why. I don't understand it. But it is. It says, but the church earnestly prayed the word earnestly. There literally is a word that means passionately intense. It didn't say, and the church prayed for Peter. That kind of prayer, I assure you, this wasn't the kind of prayer where they're going, your God. It wasn't a religious prayer. It wasn't probably a formal kind of a prayer. It was this kind of a prayer on their faces, on their knees. God, deliver Peter, our leader. Deliver him. Do it. And they're praying. Persevering. Hot prayer. And then you know what happened? The Bible simply says this. Suddenly, I love that Suddenly. have you all know sometimes God loves to do things suddenly. I found there's this amazing continuum. Sometimes it seems as though angels do things subtly, subtly, and then sometimes angels act suddenly. We find both in Scripture. In this case, it says, "And suddenly, an angel shows up right there where Peter was, in that deepest, darkest doom. I mean, they already had the coffin prepared. The angel shows up. Peter apparently is like half asleep. He doesn't know what's going on. He just thinks he's in a dream, man. And all of a sudden, shackles fall off of his hands and his feet. And supernaturally, the angels have to say, come on, come on, come on. Peter, let's go. He takes him, probably had to lead him by his hand, and took him right past the guards. The scripture says nothing about any notice. The guards didn't notice anything. We don't know whether they were blinded to it. We don't know whether all of a sudden they were like invisible. We don't know. Do, do, do. We don't know how weird it was. All right, We just know the angel took Peter, went right by the guards. Remember, he's in several different levels of the prison. Took him right by the guards, right through the gates. And it said and the doors just opened. They just walked out of the prison, and they even walk out of the courtyard, and it just says, and the doors suddenly opened. Peter doesn't even know what's happening, man, until you actually go back and read it. says, And they got to the end of the street, the end of the block, and it says, and then Peter went, something just happened. I think I'm free. I, Think I think God just intervened in my life. I mean, you know, sometimes we're a little slow, all right? A little slow. Peter was a little slow that day, all right? But he finally got it. He was, a, he was down the end of the street, and he goes, I think God just showed up. And you know what was going on at the same time? The church was earnestly praying. What a wonderful word of encouragement. You don't have to be a Peter to have God suddenly
0: do things in your life.